1: Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. On today's show, we are going to be continuing this year's version of the Genius Awards. Uh, we began last week with some smaller things, you know, technical awards, the way you might see in other award shows. Uh, we, we discussed uh, a trucker hat that is designed to keep truckers driving long hours awake. Mm-hmm. And... um The CEO of Better.com, who landed himself
2: in hot water for firing 900 employees via Zoom. I wanted to say very quickly, Neil Gorsuch, of course, called that trucker hat the headwear of the future. He did not actually do this. This is satire, 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 satire. Parody.
1: On this week's show, we're going to be getting into the heavy hitters, if you will. These are the geniuses that really defined this year. These are the ones that we feel are most deserving of recognition and acknowledgement for their efforts in the year of 2021. First, in this segment, we're going to start off with some honorable mentions, some people who, you know, not quite genius of the year level, but nevertheless, we need to talk about them. Leading off the list, I guess we'll start with someone that we've talked about before. This is Mike Wolianski, the CEO of No Evil Foods. Um, As we discussed on the show in the past, that name is a bit of a misnomer, because No Evil Foods, despite its progressive rhetoric and its uh, socialist imagery and its food labels, um, is actually committed to union busting and committed to uh, doing everything it can to prevent its workers from unionizing. Um, This is sort of a familiar story, but really, No Evil Foods exemplifies this genre of company that wants to seem progressive, but does not want its workers to have any
2: power. And when we're talking about socialist imagery and so on, like we're saying here, they had a sausage. They had a a vegan chorizo. I think it was called the Zapatista. And then the actual Zapatistas got angry at them. And because you don't screw with the Zapatistas, they renamed it El Capitan. So it's – it's when we say socialist imagery, like it, it, we're not saying there's like, you know, I don't know, Cyrillic lettering or there's like vague references to the USSR or whatever. It's like legitimately referencing specific socialist movements and things like that. So it's a company that went out of its way to look like it was the food that you could eat if you were a comrade. And of course – it it did not do that because Mike Wolianski who is not the guy from Monsters Inc um, <laughs> uh was was recorded um got got I guess the word you would say is busted um telling his employees why it wasn't okay for them to try and unionize and the reason he essentially gave is because it's scary um and it worked unfortunately but then i believe uh and and correct me if i'm wrong here but then i believe that plant shut down even after they didn't unionize, right uh, that sounds
1: about right. Um, I'm going to quote a bit from the American Prospect, which obtained audio of the big all hands meeting that was held shortly before this union election. you know Woliansky gave a speech to the workers just before this election, you know to express his thoughts um, to say in no uncertain terms why they should not vote for the union um to quote him it's a very real risk that having a union at No Evil Foods will greatly impact our ability to continue raising capital. I had one of our current investors say this week, I've seen hundreds of companies come across my desk and I have never seen an investment in a unionized startup. If I was looking at this business for the first time, I would run the other way. Which is, you know, par for the course for these sorts of union busting meetings, but we give special acknowledgement to Woolyanski and No Evil Foods because they were s- trying to seem better than all the other companies. They were trying to seem like something different.
3: And that's the fun part about companies like that. They want to co-opt the the language of progressivism and and equality and everything, but you can't honestly get any that CEO to admit that investor money will ever go to the workers, that money will always 100% stay in the company and for the, the top earners or go to dividends or, or whatever else. It's not going to ever affect everybody else. And I think that disconnect is something that people need to talk about more other than outside of us.
2: The distinguishing factor, the the sort of sine qua on of the Woliansky debacle is specifically that uh, he blamed it all on investors, which I'm sure is true. I, I completely 100% believe that that conversation happened. It's just a great argument for taking those people's money away, too, okay. because we know that unionization, we know that having workers with actual rights and power over their workplace is actually more productive in the long term. The problem is that what we have for an investor class has kind of like the thinking of a goldfish. Like they're not really thinking beyond a few seconds into the future. And sometimes I'm being frighteningly literal when I say that. So it's it's worrisome that those people are getting to determine what companies survive and what companies don't.
1: Maybe the the mark of a genius here is that Wolianski is unwittingly giving a sort of leftist critique of capitalism structure, but in blaming the investors, he is making the argument that no company if it seeks to grow as all companies seek to do so under capitalism is able to have a unionized workforce is able to have workers with power. Um, he's making an argument, not, not against, you know, no evil foods as an individual company, but as, but against the system as preventing any company from being benevolent to its workers. And um,
2: Mike welcome
1: to the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> and really, we have to give it up for unwitting critiques. You know, that that's, that's what we like to see from geniuses.
3: Yeah, it is. It is top tier genius material. I mean, I think next year he does need to do a little more Dr. Evil kind of stuff in order to, to place higher. Is Dr. Evil the right guy? I don't know.
1: Well, only, you know, the answer to that question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's my, that's my concern. Uh, yeah, so so I'm looking forward to more work from this guy. Um, certainly has a the potential to be an all-star genius. Really, genius of the ages.
2: Bold claim. Let's see if it pans out.
1: For 2021, at least, he is merely an honorable mention, and we do have more honorables to mention. Um, next on our list is um, the head executive of a company called luma um Noah, this is really your department and-
2: this is gonna be one of the toughest segments not to swear during um luma okay real quick primer hurricane maria happened puerto rico's power grid what was left of it what was it, it was antiquated and burned out and there had been basically no investment in updating it what was left of it was blown to smithereens and patched up by a bunch of engineers who are a union by the way Um, so what ended up happening is the fiscal oversight board of Puerto Rico appointed this company called Luma to, well, not appointed, they forced the legislature to privatize the delivery of electricity. So the power company in Puerto Rico is still responsible for all of the dirty work. They're still responsible for the upkeep. They're still responsible for a good bunch of the repair of the power plants and so on. But the power lines and the delivery of power. Was now the job of this American company named Luma, whose CEO Wayne Stensby, which – great name for a terrible person. Um, basically, Luma, since the get-go – so let's see. They didn't have anybody who spoke Spanish in their initial staff in the Puerto Rico office. I don't know if you know this. Puerto Rico, official language, remains Spanish, uh, or certainly the primary language of communication – Uh, You couldn't get – they had no version of – they had no Spanish version of their website or the telephone service. The telephone service crashed because people were trying to pay their bills. And the bills kept going up again and again and again each month despite the fact that the whole reason the legislature pushed Luma was that Luma's claimed it would save money. Now, obviously, we knew that to be a lie. But, you know, we didn't expect it to be reified that quickly. Also, there have been rolling blackouts in Puerto Rico. There have been uh, places that just lose power randomly for no real reason. And there's no explanation. There's no uh, straightforwardness. There's nothing coming from this company. But what really raises this company to genius level is that Wayne Stensby was ordered to deliver by a federal judge certain documents relating to some wheeling and dealing that Luma did. They did not release the documents and the judge uh, actually emitted an order, an arrest warrant for Wayne Stensby. And because Wayne Stensby is a rich white man and we're talking about Puerto Rico, apparently he'd been hiding out in like a friend's house or something. And he basically got to make a deal by which he would deliver the documents and in exchange not be arrested, which is very interesting because the deal was, the original deal was, you didn't deliver the documents, ergo you should be arrested. It is very hard to be a prison or police abolitionist when you see stuff like that happen, Um, especially when on the one hand you are seeing one white dude keep his freedom and on the other you are seeing... 3 million Puerto Ricans who have been taken advantage of for like the 20th time in my lifetime. And I am not that old. You know, if, if, if the full phrase is evil genius, then Wayne certainly puts the evil there. I mean, the excuses have been utterly pat. There's nothing, there's not like an interesting tidbit. There's not a sound bite with Wayne. It's very quiet genius. But it is the kind of genius that results in a ton of people wasting a ton of food, losing a ton of electricity, being unable to get through their day, uh, especially in the middle of a pandemic where some people have to work at home. And so if they lose electricity, they can't work, um, where they are losing internet service because some of it is still tied to electricity, things like that. It it's though this one man holds a vital service. In all of Puerto Rico and other than the immediate environs of San Juan, has botched that charge. If any of the three of us were this bad at a job, we would have been fired ages ago.
3: But I think that's where his genius comes through, is in the fact that he runs a company that has so completely failed to deliver on what it was contracted to do. Because no, you you mentioned that that prices have gone up uh, for Puerto Ricans in their electric bills and and they've gone up. Multiple times. Yeah. Not just one rate
2: increase, but multiple rate increases. Right.
3: But the reason that the power company is giving or Luma is giving for these increases is because they're not making as much money as they thought they would. So they're raising rates. And the reason they're not making as much money as they thought they would is because people keep losing power and they can't charge when they're not getting power. Which is like absolute brain saint.
2: And they're not getting power because Luma is like every other utility company in the United States, refusing to do any maintenance or God forbid upgrade work on the grid. Right, which was again something they explicitly said they would do. I mean, RG&E has said the same thing, and you know, so
3: yeah. Sadly, I just sadly the the CEO of RG&E has not had an arrest warrant issued for him, uh, so that's why he's well, not. Well, you'd have on to issue desk. it in
2: Spain, ultimately. True. True. that's the head of the company.
3: Uh, so the fact that this company and this this guy has avoided jail while failing to provide court necessary documents while raising prices on something he can't even deliver, uh, is, you know what? You you almost have to admire the grift if it weren't so awful and, and life altering because people are seriously suffering for this.
2: Yep. Sorry. Not very funny, but neither is what Wayne Stensby is doing.
1: Nevertheless, um... Definitely something we persisted with discussing. Um, Moving on to one of our honorable mentions, someone who uh, was tangentially a genius last year. Last year, we gave a genius award to the institution of college football, which uh, persisted as well through a pandemic and against all reason and logic. Um, This year, we're giving an honorable mention to Mark Emmert, President of the NCAA, uh, Mark Emmert has for years stood atop the NCAA and resisted any and all efforts to um, have that institution and um, the colleges underneath it uh, pay the athletes who do all the labor. Um, as coaches' salaries inflate to the you know eight figures, athletes have largely gone, well, pretty much entirely gone unpaid up until. This year, when finally some progress was made in the form of um, a Supreme Court ruling, in which even conservative justices on the court, like Brett Kavanaugh, saw the NCAA's arguments like. in favor of amateurism as being completely flimsy and not holding any water. As such, college athletes are now able to, you know, profit off their name, image, and likeness. They're able to get, you know, sponsorship deals and. And it has sort of been the Wild West in some ways in that front um, over the summer as, you know, the floodgates are now open. Um, Mark Emmert, though, you know, still feels that there is a battle to be fought on this front um, and st- still clearly is not um, thrilled with the new state of things. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, he said at a conference that uh, college presidents now have the hardest job in America owing to the complications that have arisen from this new state of affairs.
3: Um, Oh, for sure, man.
2: I'm going to say right now, Mm -hmm. if you're a college president and you're listening to this, I will happily trade jobs with you. You can come teach my classes. Let's see how far you get.
3: I would, that would be, uh, that would be fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Let's do it.
1: I don't think the college presidents asked for this except to the extent that they, you know, tacitly support Emmert's job as president of the NCAA, you know, presumably if they were upset with the job he was doing, you know, his time in that position would not be very long. Nevertheless, he's been around for years. He'll probably still be around for years in, even as the NCAA loses all the battles that he has fought so hard to wage. Um, they die uh, fast and painfully. And you do have to respect somebody who is so clearly going to go down with the ship. Um, for that, Mark Emmert, a genius in 2021. Um, we look forward to his future contributions to the field of geniusry. Um,
3: <laughs> genius. Yeah. Okay.
2: He still needs, Aww. yeah, he needs one more miracle before he can be canonized as a brain saint. <laughs> um, our our last honorable mention, it's the company
1: Activision Blizzard, which has uh, seen a number of scandals this year, um, you know, ranging from the small and humorous to the really gross and, you know, not funny at all. Activision Blizzard is one of the largest companies in the video game industry. They are responsible for games like Overwatch and Call of Duty. Uh, Noah, as our senior teen correspondent, I'm sure you've heard of Call of Duty. Um,
2: Yeah, Uh, you might even say I heard of it myself as a gamer, like over a decade ago.
1: Doing teen correspondence even before you knew you were doing it.
2: I will say, Uh, you know what I have not heard is Activision Blizzard. That has not come up from the teens. They're the games. They're not sure who makes them.
1: Which is something that companies like this tend to benefit from. You know, there, there's a lot of, much like, you know, in any industry, there's a lot of people who like products and don't really care who makes them as long as they can get them. Um, Activision Blizzard has come, you know, under intense scrutiny this year. First, uh, with a lawsuit from the state of California, alleging that uh, the workplace culture was severely toxic and, you uh, s- high ranking executives were responsible for enabling a culture of sexual harassment and abuse. Um, this was, you know, something that, um, unfurled over the course of weeks, this summer, the revelations from this lawsuit, um, all of which very ugly, you know, the, the sorts of stuff that sadly we can imagine having, uh, talked about this subject on punching out previously. Um, I do want to note a couple headlines from this year that sort of um, highlight why I think they're deserving of an honorable mention. Um, Both are from Kotaku. Uh, This one from March. Activision Blizzard hires Bush-era torture apologist as chief compliance officer.
2: The funniest thing a gaming company has ever done. And they try so hard to be funny all the time. This is above and beyond.
1: Yeah. Five months later in August, Kotaku headline again, Activision Blizzard's torture apologist executive is now blocking employees on Twitter.
2: Um, <laughs> Wait, hold on. Because I had a joke earlier. You were talking about all the different scandals and I was saying they're kind of the New York Mets of the gaming industry and she's essentially booing her own employees. <laughs> Uh, um, this, this lady is the Javier Bias of Activision yes, Blizzard um, executives.
1: The the woman in question is Fran Townsend, who was a you know official in the Bush administration and responsible for defending that administration's use of torture in the uh, you know global war on terror, as it became to be known. Um, Fran Townsend, um, as the article goes on to update, uh, then deleted her Twitter account following this story. Um, Coward. She- she um had earned the ire of activision employees by um after the state of california's lawsuit came out she tweeted out an article about um why whistleblowing isn't always the right thing to do um which is not at all subtle and not at all veiled.
2: legal to be to be fair she is a Bush administration official. We do know <laughs> what their policy was on whistleblowing. So like. <sighs> True.
3: She's she's going back
2: to her roots. Yes. That's what you love to see. Just stays in her lane.
1: F- following this, she was, uh, I think, removed from her position as head of the company's women's network, uh, which is a term that we, you know, laughed at when we first discussed it a few months ago. Um, but nevertheless, she is still with the company and still in large part responsible for the company's, uh, handling of this ongoing crisis with its workers. And one of the reasons why workers say they cannot trust the company to handle it properly beyond this, uh, company CEO, Bobby Kotick, uh, Decided you know, in the wake of all these scandals, he would not be stepping down, though there have been ample calls for him to do so, but he would be taking uh, the minimum salary allowed to him by California law, which is something like 60000 which in addition to all of the stock offerings he is entitled to as part of his compensation, means his takeaway from this year will be $154 million. Um, you know, well done. That's congratulations to him on that. Um, there, there is also a re- more recent story from the company where, um, several employees who work on call of duty, uh, walked out, uh, owing to the conditions under which they were working, uh, unrelated to the ongoing sexual harassment crisis within the company. So a tire fire all around, um, and something that could only have been possible with, uh, some real geniuses at the top.
3: That's for sure. Yeah. I I don't pay enough attention to, to this story, which is kind of a shame because it seems like it's just a trove of genius material uh, from the bottom to the top. No other way around top to the bottom. That's the cliche, but you really have to admire the girl boss energy coming out of there. Cause it takes a real girl boss to, to defend sexual harassment. Mm
1: -hmm. It's a, it's a real, uh, I would say, take no prisoners attitude, but (laughs) I don't think that's quite right. There were definitely some prisoners taken.
3: (laughs) Yes. I'd say you're, you're onto something there.
1: On that note, we're going to conclude our honorable mentions. Um, We're going to move on in the next segment to talk about some of the geniuses that sadly, We lost this year some of the geniuses who will no longer be, uh, you know, impressing us with their work going forward. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to Punching Out on W-A-Y-O-L-P Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.
1: Welcome back to the Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Still hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. Uh, We started off this show with some honorable mentions from the year of 2021. Um, Before we get to our last two geniuses, you know, the last, the final two nominees for genius of the year, the runner up and the eventual winner, um, we want to take a moment here for a bit of an in memoriam segment, uh, to discuss the geniuses who uh, were sadly let go from their positions or otherwise terminated um, owing either to personal mistakes or uh,
2: who could say, you know, and any number of failings Um, being a genius. It's a tough lifestyle. I mean, you you're never guaranteed that you, you can be, the the holiest brain saint for years and think you know you're gonna be safe and that's when you discover that geniuses I mean they they it's just very lay short up the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, also, that's why they have to be paid so much money. Because right, you and right. I we can work decades at our normal jobs and never even come close, but they need that. I mean otherwise how are they, you know, how are they gonna pay for all the drugs they're gonna do and everything? <laughs>
1: It's funny you should mention that. Uh, Interesting. Our, our first, uh, you know, following CEO is a guy by the name of Justin Zhu. Um, he was the CEO of a company called Iterable, which um, is described in this Yahoo News article as a market platform that unites brands with their customers. I think that's called a store. Everybody, of course, immediately understands what that means. I don't need to explain it to them. Uh, Yeah. We'll move right along. Uh, Justin Zhu founded this company in 2013 and turned it into one that was worth $2 billion. Despite this, he revealed to Bloomberg Businessweek that he felt alienated because his company became too focused on sales and money, uh, somewhere in the process of becoming worth $2 billion. Mm
2: -hmm. That that is uncommon introspection from a genius, I will say. He was fired on April 26th after investors discovered
1: he allegedly took LSD before an important meeting with a prominent investor group. To quote from the article, Zhu allegedly microdosed LSD before an important meeting in twenty nineteen to regain focus and heal his trauma, according to an interview with Bloomberg. Um,
3: What what trauma is that? I want the wanna... trauma yeah. of your business making money like it's supposed to
1: It's possible that he does have legitimate trauma, but um he was also head of a company worth two billion dollars and um you know using l s d before an important meeting is a very funny way to go out
2: um especially because they mention in the article that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates have both microdosed LSD too so clearly the lesson to learn here is become unassailable and then you can microdose all you want as long as you have substantial control over the company go nuts do whatever
3: hell i think bill gates and and steve jobs could have macrodosed and still kept their jobs
2: oh yeah no they pfft. Which is weird, because Steve Jobs wasn't usually about putting weird chemicals in his body. Weird how that never seems to apply to the ones that make you see weird things.
1: It's it's either, you know, uh, become unassailable or throw a no-hitter. You know, one of the two. You've got to do one of the two if you're going to be using
2: LSD. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um,
1: Moving on (laughs) to our our next... um, CEO who is uh, no longer with us after the year 2021. Um, They're innovating in heaven now. It's a Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey, who um, finally stepped away from the company he founded after (laughs) years of bewildering decisions. Um, And he's not someone that we've talked about much on Punching Out because there haven't been any major reports about uh, Twitter abusing its workers or mistreating them the way we've heard out of Google and Amazon and Facebook. Twitter has kept a fairly low profile on that front. Uh, most of the harm it has caused has mostly been to the people who use it. Um, but, <laughs> but that's okay. I'll still keep using that garbage.
2: Um, All right. Uh, <laughs> It it is pretty incredible how they've now managed to add like fifteen features, most of which not only does no one use, but they like actively refuse to engage with oh, a fleet. lot of the time. So Spaces right. Con- was about the closest one and and even that one's a real crapshoot.
3: Controversial, who I think that we will miss in the in the fullness of time, we will miss Jack. Legitimately. <laughs> Because the one there's definitely
1: that, an argument to be made that anybody yeah. who could replace them will be worse. Yeah,
3: yeah, because yeah. like the one good thing about Twitter is the fact that it's not Facebook and Instagram and you get a lot of promoted tweets and your promoted tweets have ads before the videos, which to me is hilarious. It's like ad inception. Uh, it's kind of nice to not to be in a space that isn't. I mean, it is soulless for sure. But it's not trying to sell me 800 different products within a 30 second scroll. Uh, that that kind is kind of nice, um, and I think honestly, part part of the reason Twitter isn't that is because Jack was too focused on promoting the Nazis to go for that.
1: Some of the behavior that came closest to a uh, genius for Jack Dorsey really, um, probably his uh. Eating habits. Um, he famously said that he only eats seven meals a week, only dinner. Experts have said that normal people should not do this, but uh, I'm for not normal. Geniuses like Jack Dorsey, it's it's fine.
2: That's how you maintain genius. I mean, it's it's you know how it's like how Roman and Greek priests had to eat very specific meals. Some of them weren't allowed to eat things like beans and so on. Uh, because they were thought to ground them too much and sever their connection to the gods. Too much earth think. element. I will say, I agree that whoever is next is going to be a you know regular old like terrible CEO. But the thing about it though is that you have to imagine they were already running the show because Jack Dorsey's management style was to screw off to Tibet for six months out of the year and be incommunicado during that entire time. So. That's true. Whoever is next is going to be somebody who's already been doing a substantial amount of the job, which is not a good thing.
3: Again, applaud the grift of being on vacation for six months of the year, but still being CEO and getting the title. Okay. Tangent. I read a book recently that called uh, Nine Perfect Strangers, Nine, yeah, Nine Perfect Strangers, Nine Something Strangers, whatever. The point is they all go to a health resort that's run by a CEO who had like a health scare, quit her job to run a health resort. And in the health resort, she microdoses on LSD and drugs all of the people so that they're also on LSD and other things and starves herself. So to the point where she's like seeing things, this lady, like that I think should be the archetype of the genius. And we should think of that going forward. I don't remember what her name is.
1: There's definitely a certain uh, Silicon Valley quality to that story.
3: Yes. But it yeah. takes place in Australia. Somebody will know what that book is.
1: Australians can sorry. be weird too, as it turns <laughs> out. L- luckily for us, uh, you know, appreciators of uh, real non-fictional genius, uh, Jack Dorsey isn't going far. He is still the CEO of his company Square, which is now Block, having gained... a an extra dimension apparently somewhere along the line. <laughs> um, so Hold on. keep, keep an eye on him going forward. I'm sure we haven't heard the last of him next on our in memoriam list is uh, someone close to home here. It's um, the CEO of what was once misfit donuts here in Rochester. It was an eventful year for them. Um, the local vegan donuts. Sh- store uh, closed its doors this summer, um, after, um, employees, much like at no evil foods, uh, tried to form a union. And, um, this resulted in a company that despite once again, uh, ostensibly progressive aims, uh, not reacting well to the idea of its workers holding power. Um, takes real genius work to, you know, Take up, take your ball and go home, rather than give up um, just a slice of power.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the, the reason they were unionizing is because the worker mistreatment, which is pretty standard, but also um, the workers felt that they were the business itself was being mismanaged. And even though it was a vegan bakery, uh, there was claims that the ingredients weren't entirely vegan. Uh, one um, funds missing. You know. Th- Any kind of mismanagement that you could imagine happening, that happened. And if I remember correctly, um, they wanted to unionize. Uh, Jennifer Johnson, the CEO, said, okay, well, we're closing and we're only doing catering. And then a bunch of people pushed back online and in other spaces. And then she said, fine, we're just done all together. Uh, So good job, lady. Well done.
1: Proud of you. Luckily, there is a bit of a happy ending to the story and that the employees who originally sought to unionize have since um, formed a uh, co-op that um, hopefully can build something out of the ashes of Misfit Donuts. Um, yep. But um, once again, we have a genius to thank for that. You know, mm-hmm. all progress comes from uh,
2: the great genius. down genius. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is, I mean, here's a paragraph of kind of the the sort of things that they were angry about, justifiably. Jennifer Johnson, during the operation of Misfit Treats and Eats, this is from an article on RochesterFirst.com. It's quoting Misfits United Statement. During the operation of Misfit Treats and Eats, Jennifer Johnson has screamed at employees, dead named and misgendered employees, punished employees by cutting their hours with no explanation, withheld pay from employees, called local restaurants and told them not to hire certain employees, used non vegan ingredients despite multiple attempts by employees to intervene, and made employees serve expired and moldy food. She maintained no boundaries between business and her personal life, including instances of unwanted and unsolicited physical contact, discussing sexual matters, and sharing sexually explicit content at work. So even if only half of that is true, it's enough, it, it's exactly in line with kind of what we consider bad CEO things, bad boss behavior, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, normally we don't really get to talk about that in Rochester, New York. We don't get to have it just down the road. Um, But I think it's necessary a billionaire. for... You yeah. don't have
3: to be a billionaire to be a bad uh, to be a genius. So, and yet hey again, like people. with
2: like with Monster Inc. guy, it turns out that you can be very much a you you can have this idea of progressive values that you want to show off through your company and and all that, and still be a monster. No pun intended, I guess.
1: Uh, it's noted in this statement from the uh, employees there that they had offered to buy the store from her. And she rebuffed that offer saying that, you know, apparently it would take too much time that she just didn't have anymore to dedicate to the company. So, you know, again, the idea of getting anything out of the project was unsatisfactory if it meant a win for the workers in in question. We're, we're used to that sort of behavior from our geniuses. Uh, They'd rather go down in flames than uh,
3: play nice with others. Yeah.
1: Last on our in-memoriam list, but certainly not to be forgotten, we have The Brothers Cuomo.
2: Um, A much worse Adrian Brody movie.
1: Andrew and Chris both lost their jobs this year. Uh, Andrew, a Genius Award winner last year, um, debates are underway as to whether he should be stripped of that award. This year, he had to step down from governor of New York due to um, his pattern of sexually harassing those who worked under him. You know, the sort of behavior that obviously is not acceptable from somebody in a position of power at, at any level, much less as, you know, governor of one of the largest states of the country. And yet, Andrew Cuomo persisted and, you know, full view of the public Uh, he gave impassioned defenses of his own behavior and of himself ethnicity yes uh, became it things
2: became very strangely italian (laughs) um nothing the the only the only place more italian than an andrew como press conference was house of gucci
1: yes um In the end, though, he was, uh, after a report from the attorney general, made to. Well, he wasn't made to do anything, but he decided to resign rather than face further investigation. Um, You know, you have to give it up to somebody who managed so quickly to fall from a position of grace that he had attained last year, where he was, you know, America's daddy. A progressive darling, America's dad, you know, giving the. Uh, COVID updates daily on television that became uh, famous and um, won an Emmy. Yes. He, he, he earned a lot of plaudits that as we noted and last year's genius awards, he did not really deserve, but nevertheless, the mark of genius is accepting credit. Even when you don't deserve it. Um, I don't,
3: I don't remember if we ever actually covered this, but there was a pretty consistent trend in the spring you know, as people were becoming vaccinated and everything, you know cases didn't really go down all that much. But every time somebody new came forward accusing him of sexual harassment or some new news article came out, he lifted a state of lockdown. Like mm-hmm. reduced or, or increased yeah. the the capacities for indoor areas and masks and everything like that. It was pretty consistent. Like every That's why he time. finally
2: had to resign. Because he couldn't he couldn't he ran get out rest- of
1: drugs to legalize.
2: He ran out of <laughs> yeah. drugs to legalize and you couldn't open restaurants at 200 percent capacity. You know, <laughs> um, he was I, I honestly think my conspiratorial brain says that he resigned because he knew that the next thing he could do to get people off his back was pass the New York Health Act. Um, and I know that that's a legislative thing. This is New York. Politics is still done by three people in a room, and two of them are the heads of the chambers, and the other is the governor. Um, he knew that if if anyone else came forward, he would have to give he would have to do that. That's the only thing that would get it off his back, and he was completely unwilling to pay that price. So that that's when he knew he had to leave.
3: Well, we can't forget about the the other brother, Chris.
2: The, you mean his Fredo of a brother.
3: Yeah. There you go. Uh so he was what a c CNN CNN yep anchor um that just like the my understanding I don't watch CNN or any other news for that matter. Um but my understanding was the relationship between them was quite interesting to watch every time uh Andrew was mm-hmm. on.
1: Um which uh journalistically generally you want to avoid interviewing your brother but um, CNN had themselves in a very awkward position when uh, America's most prominent governor was the brother of their primetime anchor. Um, really, this is something that could have been avoided in the first place by executives of CNN, who if they had abided by any semblance of journalistic ethics, but you know, they allow that conflict of interest to persist until This year, they eventually had to fire Chris Cuomo when it came out that he had been helping his brother uh, defend himself against these accusations of sexual harassment and misconduct. Um,
3: Which, honestly, no kidding. Of course that would happen. And more people should have been fired for that. But that would mean we live in a world that makes sense.
2: Yep. I mean it's gonna be sad to see them go. We I really thought I'm sure they'll land on their feet. I'm sure we're gonna get the Andrew speaking tour at some point. Uh we'll we'll get a we'll get a run for president or uh from the rent is too damn high party or something like that. because uh, you can't keep a genius like that down mm-hmm. for long.
1: I I think uh credit where credit is due. Um Andrew did what only What any self-respecting genius should do and make sure that he left a paper trail of people praising him and uh, saying all these nice things about him before going down in flames, before uh, deciding to throw away all that goodwill. Because now there are any number of people you can point to and say, you you believed Andrew Cuomo? You thought this guy was good? Um, (laughs) Yep. So.
3: Thanks Hmm. for that, buddy.
1: It's a, it's a useful self-defense mechanism to have a bunch of people uh, publicly say that you're really
2: good because nobody wants to go back on that. Nobody wants to say they were wrong. It, it really is the defining experience of the last two years that the main thing Americans cannot abide is either being told that they're wrong about something or admitting that they're wrong about something. Because you get more judged for that than you do for just doubling down and continuing to be wrong. So, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate, but he does represent a, a particular kind of Americanness. ness
1: And um, that concludes our In Memoriam segment on this show. Uh, before we move on to our Genius of the Year, it is time now to acknowledge our runner-up, someone we discussed at length in a show this October. How could um, we not? Uh, this is... Carlos Watson, the CEO of Ozzy Media, who is somehow still the CEO of Ozzy Media after all of that came out about him during uh, basically one week, a few months ago. Um,
3: I can't believe that was only October.
1: Yes. uh, The short story of Ozzy Media is that they had been um, inflating the number of people reading their blog posts and watching their videos. They had... um, one highly ranked executive uh, impersonate a YouTube executive on a um, investment call,
2: Um, a call that that executive had been on previously. Yes. So he was on as himself and then pretended to be this other person. That is key. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Carlos Watson, very much at the head of this project, uh, very much, um, you know, his brand rose with the Aussie brand underneath him. Um, he is still uh, doing the Carlos Watson show, which is appears to be Ozzy's main project now and increasingly became its main project and was something that uh, a lot of the talented journalists and reporters they had hired were forced to do busy work for as um, it became clear that the company was more interested in the Carlos Watson brand than in actually doing work worth value i I do want to read this um description of the carlos watson show which was just published today apparently on ozzy's website uh the carlos watson show is a little bit different welcome to a new breed of talk show where we're having meaningful conversations with the game changers and change makers who are ahead of their time and worthy of yours emmy a winning journalist Carlos Watson, co-founder and CEO of Ozzy, has brought to camera everyone from Presidents Barack Obama and George W. Bush to Jameela Jamil, Heidi Klum, and Bill Gates.
2: Whoever whoever wrote that description, you know, leaned back and went, nailed it.
1: There's no small chance that the person writing it was Carlos Watson.
2: Yeah, true, Absolutely. So to be fair, he probably like browbeat somebody into writing it and then copy edited it until he made them cry. Cause that that seems to be the kinds of things that Carlos Watson loves to. Sorry, I just really quickly looked up uh the Carlos Watson show and I would like to reveal the, the three guests that I found here. There's Apollo Ono, there's Jordan Sparks from American Idol, and there is Big Sean. Those are our three top uh uh videos here. That's that that that's a real um
1: Hey, he discovered them before they were household names.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> them and, and who was the other one? The one that they became famous saying they had discovered before? Uh AOC. Yeah, there it is. Oh god, Ozzy, never change. Except please cease to exist.
1: If you would like to learn more about Carlos Watson and why he's included as you know our runner-up for Genius of the Year, you can listen to episode 146 of Punching Out, the title, uh, Look Upon My Blog Posts. It's from two months ago. Um, when we come back after this break, we're going to discuss 2021's Genius of the Year. Please come back. You don't want to miss it.
3: You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. You can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm still Ryan joined still by Noah brains and Lou. <laughs> yeah. We're down to the, the last genius of 2021, the genius of the year. And really there wasn't much competition in the end. It was very obvious to us who this title should go to.
2: Well, see, sorry, you say that, but we were actually waiting To hear that this this the ultimate decision was made under the wire, Mm -hmm. so what really happened here is that one event crested this person Mm -hmm. into the top spot and changed everything about the landscape of geniuses in
1: 2021. Yes, Um, we're talking about Howard Schultz, uh, Starbucks CEO emeritus, um, former president of the company, the former presidential candidate. um, And frankly, somebody who over the last two years, well, two or three years now has displayed his genius across the country. First as somebody trying to uh, run from the center as a presidential candidate in 2020. And now as somebody who tried to help Starbucks avoid a unionization campaign in Buffalo, and was unsuccessful in that effort. Um, I,
2: I would even argue he was probably one of their better union organizers. Famously, if you listen to
1: our show, uh, Schultz uh, compared the company's ethos to that of Holocaust survivors in Nazi Germany. He did so in a one of the anti-union speeches, much like uh, Mike Woliansky, though much less successful, You know, he descended upon Buffalo with just a few days to go before the election was being held at a few Starbucks stores there and, you know, bared his soul to the partners at Starbucks, which is what they call their workers. And in doing so, he seemed to alienate more people than he won over. Um, He was effectively run out of the place after... uh, not agreeing to some of their demands. And um, not even that he was
2: asked if they would, apparently he was asked if Starbucks would abide by fair election principles. And before he could answer was removed from the room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh my God. Yeah.
1: And really what elevated him to genius of the year status is the fact that after doing this, Two out of the three stores in Buffalo voted to unionize, becoming the first Starbucks stores in the country to do so. But perhaps not the last, because since those election results became public, we've seen unionization efforts underway at Starbucks stores in Boston, in Mesa, Arizona, and even in Starbucks backyard of Seattle, Washington. Schultz's. Uh, Genius is having ripple effects, perhaps, to the extent that he is responsible for swinging this election in favor of the union, um, which is not to discredit, of course, the uh, hard work and organization by the workers there who made this possible in the first place, who put Howard Schultz on the spot to deliver uh, his work of genius.
2: Howard Schultz, see, the thing is, some of the geniuses that we cover at the end of the year. We recognize their talent, but they're boring. Howard Schultz is never boring. When Howard Schultz has some genius to display, it's going to be fun to watch. You're going to be there. It's, it's appointment geniusing, okay? You always want to be around. You want to make sure that you get every moment of it. I mean, as a presidential candidate, coming up with that term, people of means, to refer to rich people, incredible about that. Nobody else trying to run for that center spot would have thought of that. Only Howard would, because nobody in his life has told him no for the past like 40 years. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is the kind, that is how you incubate true, which I know is a of word these days, true genius. You have to really let it, you have to really let a person percolate in his own thoughts for years and years and be unable to conceive of the idea that somebody might find them weird. And Schultz has reached that point.
1: You might say that Schultz has been brewing this for a long time.
2: Yes. And now with his new cold brew machines that he's offering (laughs) to uh, Starbucks locations, he can continue to uh, steep in genius. Some credit has to be
1: given to the... People at Starbucks who thought it wise to have their founder show up uh, to deliver an anti-union speech days ahead of a very public union election in Buffalo. You know, not every company would have done that. Not every company would have reached out to you know its a legacy, you know its past, uh, in order to seek that help. But we can only be grateful that Starbucks is one of those companies that uh, respects where it came from yes the projects of brooklyn new york as (laughs) howard schultz there it is point of noting
2: (laughs) that um i kind of wish that that speech became a monologue that people delivered I I don't I don't think there's a recording or like a full text of it anywhere. But if you could somehow grab the transcript from him, because there have to be parts that we don't know about that are have got to be as funny as the stuff we did see.
1: It's a shame in some ways that the audio recorder was at the No Evil Foods union meeting and not at this more historic anti-union meeting. Only one of these is uh, saved for posterity.
2: Yeah. And it's the one where it's like 45 minutes of a dude blaming his investors and uh letting a lawyer who wore a leather handbag inside a vegan food place uh talk about why unions are bad.
1: Say what you will about Howard Schultz, he didn't seek to pass the buck, you know, he made it very personal. He did. A little too personal, perhaps.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um also one important lesson that I think we can all learn from this if you're gonna if you're gonna go full brain saint on your employees and try to union bust, you do need to know what the American dream is. If you're gonna mention it in your speech, <laughs> you you cannot. I think that's one big lesson we all learned there. You cannot say the sentence "What is the American dream anyway?" You have to have a defined vision for that, which I'm beginning to realize might have been the problem with this presidential campaign as well.
1: Hmm who could say really um
2: us we can say that we're talking (laughs) about him right now
3: (laughs) just continue to dunk
2: on him for that reason many times the geniuses of the year that we award right and and it's not to say that howard schultz howard schultz is a millionaire by definition he is an evil human being there is there's just no way in the system that we live in basically any system that we live in really um where you can have that much wealth and not be by definition an evil person because there is basically no way to create that much wealth for a person without them being evil
1: what if you were to name your company no evil would that help well, That'll then, fool you yeah know,
2: yeah nominative determinism then you know it can't be evil <laughs> i was gonna say uh lou maybe he can change the name to dr evil foods <laughs> <laughs> But Howard Schultz, so many of the geniuses that we award do so much horrible damage to the lives of people, to the environment, to everything. And I'm not saying that Starbucks doesn't do that. And I'm not saying that Howard Schultz as a person isn't fine with that. But what's kind of interesting is that in many ways, he's kind of the most inoffensive of a lot of the people that we've profiled in the Genius Awards because – Mostly, he's just kind of a goof who doesn't seem to understand the way that the words that come out of his mouth sound to literally everyone else. It's like Mitt Romney disease, where <laughs> y- you would say things and, no- and would not realize that the rest of the world takes you to be an out-of-touch moron billionaire.
1: I think the disease you're describing is influenza.
2: Have we officially added that to the DSM-5? Is that in there now?
1: <laughs> if not, it will be soon.
2: Yeah, give it a couple more years. And God knows we're going to have to award that person a Genius Award for it. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, I think we may have run out of things to say about Howard Schultz. Um, or at the very least, run out of time in which to say them. I want to thank you, the listeners, for listening to Punching Out over this past year for, um, you know, you know, obviously we're trying to entertain you here. We're grateful that you continue to listen to the show. Grateful to everybody at Waya who helps make this show possible. Um, we're looking forward to another year and another fresh batch of geniuses in 2022. For this week and this year,
3: I'm Ryan. I'm Lou.
2: I was Noah.
1: And this was the Punching Out Genius Awards.
0: You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints and struggles to PunchingOutWayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.